Welcome to the Urban Grace Weekly Podcast. Urban Grace is an inclusive ecumenical church in the heart of downtown Tacoma, Washington, that seeks to be a spiritual home for folks from all sorts of backgrounds. Come check us out Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at the corner of 9th and Market. And of course, there are more details at urbangrace.org. Today's reading is from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I thank the Lord with all my heart in the company of those who do right in the congregation. The works of the Lord are magnificent. They are treasured by all who desire them. God's deeds are majestic and glorious. God's righteousness stands forever. God is famous for his wondrous works. The Lord is full of mercy and compassion. He gives food to those who honor him. He remembers his covenant forever. God proclaimed his powerful deeds to his people and gave them what had belonged to other nations. God's handiwork is honesty and justice. All God's word rules are trustworthy. They are established always and forever. They are fulfilled with truth and right doing. God sent redemption for his people. He commanded that his covenant last forever. Holy and awesome is God's name. Fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. Sure knowledge is for all who keep God's laws. God's praise lasts forever. This is the word of the Lord. Okay. Lapel mics. So, uh, if you know me, you know that I don't do research anymore. Done. Just don't want to do that anymore. So, writing a really smart-sounding sermon, it's not, it's not going to happen. So, it's just, you know, don't worry about that. Um, it's unless something kind of funny happens along the way. So, pray with me now because I kind of need guidance. <laughs> gracious, gracious God. Thank you for giving us the courage to come today. May our hearts be open to one another, to new ideas, and to pleasant surprises. Amen. Well, uh, yeah, so what happened when I started to write this sermon was that I didn't want to do what I was supposed to do. and talk about gratitude. Didn't feel that coming. So then I thought, well, the Psalms, that could help. And that didn't really help because the Psalm is about gratitude. So instead, I found myself looking at some of some ideas online and discovered this really funny little thing. I'm going to tell you about it. So one of the major exegetical tenets of this 
of interpreting this text. So like one of the important things to know is that there's this one word that they use when they're talking all this great stuff about God, and it's this word yada. And so then of course I got all excited because I've heard people speak in Yiddish about, you know, like yada, 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 which uh, if, you know, I'm honest, which I often am to a fault, this is how I hear these psalms a lot of times. Where uh, even as Teresa's reading, I'm thinking, I gotta, st I gotta stay in the game. I gotta keep my head in the game and stay focused. And so, you know, I'm going along, and in, in Hebrew, it says yadach. And all I hear is that da 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 da. Thank you, thank you. God is good. Some other stuff, yada yada. And I'm a tiny bit embarrassed because I spent a lot of time in school learning about these things, but I'm not that embarrassed because I am totally willing to imagine that you have felt the same way, just maybe like just a weensy, woonsy once, one time. When I read the Psalms, it all starts to sound a little bit like an annoying pop song. And I, I don't want to offend anyone. I just need to confess to you that it is not difficult for me to get from, show me your ways, O oh Lord, teach me your path, to just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight train going any, right? You're totally with me right now, aren't you? So, um, some people, I know these people, they love the Psalms. These people are really different from me, so I decided to ask them why they like these things, and they tell me that they find the Psalms are full of familiar words and cadence. They know which ones will match their moods when they're depressed. They know them as songs or prayers, and they turn to these psalms when their own songs or prayers are not enough. I struggle because I have always experienced these psalms like elevator music or one-hit wonders, kind of too simple and yet too persistent. Something kind of like humming in the background as I cruise the hair product aisle in the grocery store, thinking to myself, oh Lord, my enemies are many. I'm telling you this because I want you to know that I struggle, especially because I'm a poet. I'm supposed to love this stuff. I I love the poetics of everyday life because I like it when something is not quite right but still fits together. Like it, it is shocking to me that we use the same word to describe the feelings that come with discovering we're in love and the season that comes right after summer. Fall. So, 
I have to hack my way in. I hack my way into the book of Psalms um, because I, I want access, right? I kind of want them to charm me. I want them to be clever. So I decided, okay, there are people on the planet who love this stuff. I'm going to find a secret way in. And it turns out this goofy word association, this yada, 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 it got me there. And then there's this kind of insider baseball thing about this psalm. It's an acrostic. It's what we call an acrostic. It, that means that the first letter of each line corresponds to a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And they go in order. It's a common enough way to write a poem. I've done this myself. It's a self-imposed challenge to the writer to adhere to a style that assists the reader or the listener from an oral tradition. So in short, it's, it, it's a catchy tune in some ways. And it's a great spiritual practice and a great way to help people with their spiritual practice. It's kind of a fun party trick if you're a poet. And what's more, this poem is perfectly constructed to create a sense of completion, which makes sense to me when I think I'm partway through and I feel like, okay, I'm done. Because it's written that way. It has a balance in the way it describes the subject, comes to a high point after building just the right amount of tension, and then declines, and much of this is totally lost in translation. Totally. Which means I probably wouldn't have needed the secret key to the secret lock and the hack and the funny thing and the research if I had lived with this psalm as a young Hebrew poet at the temple. It would have been familiar like the songs that play on the radio, which got me thinking and wondering, what makes a good song good? As I mentioned before, there are people like me. We are not always smart or wise, but we know a lot about pain and a lot about joy. And we love a good poem or a beautiful song because we need help communicating the depth of our feelings. And we trust the writers and the musicians and the performers to guide us and teach us how to express ourselves. And the psalmist is one of those people. And then I got a text message from my sister to work out the logistics for my niece's birthday celebration. Now, I need to give you a little background. I... You need to know, this is going to sound random, but I need you to know this about me. I do not consider myself a fan of the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> I don't know their names. Well, I, I mean, a friend was trying to help me with this this morning. I think one of them is named Kevin. Not, don't quote me on that. I don't know how to tell them apart. I think they know this, too, because they wear these, like, color-coded outfits. One of them could be in the room right now, and I wouldn't know. I hardly knew they existed until my sister and my niece explained to me how much they liked some of their songs. 
yada, yada, yada. The next thing I know, I'm glued to my computer screen watching a beautifully choreographed, technically adept pas de deux between Nick Jonas, that's his real name, and I looked it up, and a talented female performer that illustrates the ambivalence humans so often feel about interpersonal attachments, miscommunications, and the limits of the language we have at our disposal when we fall in love. And I realized, thanks to Nick Jonas, that um, there have been people in my life who care about me so deeply, they can prescribe songs or make mixtapes or put together playlists with the accuracy of a neurosurgeon. What makes a good song may not be the song itself. What makes a good song is kind of bigger and simpler than the melody or a clever turn of phrase or the constraints on the art form. So, with my sister's birthday plans in mind and the mixtapes and the high school crushes and the Jonas Brothers in my head, I turned back to writing the sermon and I kind of think maybe I don't like music either. Not a fan of Jonas Brothers, I don't like music. Maybe it's the things that I feel and the memories that come up, that's what I like. When I hear a certain drum or sing along with all of you on Sunday mornings or when I hear Whitney Houston squeal or Otis Redding growl or Linda Ronstadt sing the canciones de su padre, and maybe it doesn't even really matter. I love the way the songs keep me from feeling too lonely when they remind me of my family dancing around the fire pit in the backyard or my daughter dancing on top of the coffee table at our house. I love the way the voices lift and shake. In fact, kind of doesn't matter what is playing. It's organized chaos, right? And all I hear is the sound of my heart beating with trust in the goodness that's flowing all in, around, and through us, connecting me to all of creation and what is good. So the psalm is like that. It's special because it does that. It can do that. The very same thing. Connect us to what is good. In fact, it's the sound of one voice rising up to describe the ways the universal laws of love provide for all people. It's the voice of a person climbing out of self-absorption and looking around at what is good for everyone. The psalm also calls our attention to this concept. It's, I think it's pronounced niftla ot, a word that indicates a miracle of extraordinary proportions, not just the daily movements of sun and moon, 
but the idea that there is a sun and a moon and that our eyes can see them and our bodies live by them. And this concept, niflaot, refers to the really mind-blowing stuff that doesn't make sense at all. The once-in-a-lifetime moments that don't calculate. Maybe they're things we just accept as completely inexplicable. Now, the niflaot is translated usually wonderful deeds because it directs our attention to something that has been done. We've benefited from it, but we can only guess at the kind of power that would cause it to be. So my bias here is that I wonder if the psalmist is kind of in a state of disbelief, which kind of gets me excited because I'm thinking, this guy's agnostic. This guy's atheist. This person is aware that we are asked to blindly believe we are entitled to a benevolent deity behaving with any kind of consistency. And that is hard for me. Only someone who had good reason to abandon the usual beliefs, turn to wonder or science, and yet begged, borrowed, and held on for dear life to optimism, gratitude, and hope. It's like that annoying pop song, why are they in such a good mood all the time? And only someone like that would write something like this. And I don't think, I don't think I would have this idea if it weren't for the pop songs, but also for the doubts I have, the questions I have. Sometimes I wonder if God exists because I'm sort of numb to certain parts of Christianity or religious experience or scripture because I gloss over the kind of spirituality that changes the niflaot to wonderful deeds. If you ask me to translate the word myself, I would have to say it's more like all the weird and wild and wonderful times that came because things were really bad. As someone, maybe God or maybe one of you, sent a note to tell me you wanted me to come for dinner or you brought your kids to play with mine or you, you came over and showed up with a loaf of homemade bread right when I needed to know I'm not alone. Now, maybe you don't have the best singing voice, Maybe you hate the pop songs, but stop and think for a minute about the songs and sounds that fill your mind. Like, they call it earworms, where it gets stuck in there, you can't get rid of it. And it takes something quite important to interrupt this. It's those things, the niflaot, it's the things like the first time you hear a baby laugh or the warmth of the sun on your skin on a chilly day. Or maybe it's the moment where you knew, you knew you could get sober. Your addiction wasn't gonna hold on to you anymore. Or maybe it's the way you feel when you jump into cold water. Or the dying breath of a friend. Sometimes it's simple like the smell of home. 
<sighs> I, I mean, I can tell you a little bit, I can name the situation, but I can't tell you how it feels because it's the Niflaot. Now there's one more element to this that I want to tell you about. It will sneak up on you. These things are sneaky and impossible to explain. And as a result, they are strange and difficult to embrace at first. In fact, it, the Nifla Oath can cause us to rethink everything we ever knew about life and love and God. When we open our eyes and set our sights on the Nifla Oath, when we turn to curiosity rather than ignore or reject something strange, we can really welcome strangers. Fear of difference keeps us alert and aware of danger. That's the good thing about fear. But I want you to be careful. Do not use it as an excuse to avoid the kind of risk or pain that will make you more compassionate. I'm urging you to welcome strangers because, well, not because it's fun or interesting. You welcome me and all my strange ideas to the extent that I think sometimes you are the surprising gift I didn't expect to get. Or maybe I am, I don't know. We are for each other. You can take it from a white presenting Mexican-American lady preacher that life is full of surprises. These things are scary or shocking and you might feel that you want to keep them at arm's length and shield your eyes and you might feel like resisting or maybe just like these things are so beyond what you expected from your life. It can happen to you. So earlier this year, before the phone call, before the text message about my niece's birthday, I heard my sister had bought us all tickets to see the Jonas Brothers. And did I, did I have my own CD yet? Because I need to listen and study up so I can sing along. And uh, there's an extra ticket because I probably have a friend who needs to see them too. Now, I'll admit that Nick Jonas is in fact on them headphones. More often than not, when I'm running up the 30th Street Hill from Old Town, because there's something about that sound that makes me want to run. But what's really impossible in this moment, I thought, I don't have a friend who needs to see the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> so, I'm a good auntie. I put the CD player into the car. It's 14 years old, CD player. And I had to hit the button a few times. I'm skipping a few songs till I heard a song I kind of like, and, and then there was another one, and then another one. And the next thing I know, it's months later, and Lena and I are cruising around the town with the top down. 
crooning along, thinking about how much I love my family and how we are all really different, but they also love me. And you know what? I can tell you the story of all this, but I can't explain why I was dancing last night like my life depended on it in the Tacoma Dome to the Joe Bros <laughs> with thousands of my new friends. I'm not really sure. I, I cannot explain to you. I can tell you I do these things for my niece because she turns 20 this month. Her birth was difficult and miraculous. We didn't know if she would ever be able to speak or eat on her own. She has become one of the kindest, gentlest, most loving and devoted people I have ever met. And we weren't sure we, her family, could earn her trust or admiration. Slowly we have one Jonas Brothers song at a time. She invited us into this strange place, literally, Tacoma Dome, Saturday night before I'm preaching for you. And we danced and we sang, and it was satisfying. And it, it was the Nifla Oath. It started out, yada, 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 some kid has a crush on some other kid. And it ended in singing and dancing. And here I get to tell you about it. In the name of the Mother God, Sister Christ, and Daughter Spirit. These are the surprises. Stay awake. Stay aware. Yada, yada, yada. No, you are loved. Amen. <laughs>